Hi, this is Ananda, President of the Hare Krishna Community near Washington, D.C. What follows is a Sunday talk recorded at our temple. Every Sunday we invite the public for meditation, a talk, and a vegetarian lunch. We'd love for you to join us. More information is available at iskonofdc.org. That's I-S-K-C-O-N of D-C dot org. Thanks, and I hope you enjoy the talk. So, uh, we'll uh, speak a little bit on uh, the topic of existing responsibly. This is, uh, this is the National Climate Week. About, uh, uh, um, um, the environmental uh, impact uh, that we are having and the consequences of it. So we'll speak for about half an hour, and then if there's any discussion, uh, we can we can uh, we can have that. <clears throat> so to start off our discussion on this very important and relevant topic, I wanted to share a pastime that is uh, that appears in Shrimad Bhagavatam. Um, Shrimad Bhagavatam is uh, also known as Bhagavad Puran, which is an ancient uh, scripture. Uh, Vedic scripture. Uh, Puran uh, means in Sanskrit ancient. So uh, they're composed of uh, activities of uh, great personalities that uh, teach us something. And that's why Purans are also known as Purnas because they complete. So the Vedas, they are uh, the more uh, uh, instructive part. So they give instructions in terms of principles. And the Puranas, they illustrate those principles through pastimes or incidents. And uh, of the Puranas, the topmost Puran is considered to be the Bhagavad Puran. So this incident that I'm, uh, I will share with you, it appears then in the fourth canto of the Bhagavad Puran. So it begins with once upon a time, once upon a time, many, many years ago, there was a king by the name of, of Maharaj Vena. And he was a very powerful king. He was so powerful that uh, when he was enthroned, then without him doing anything, all the miscreants, the robbers, the thieves, the bandits in the kingdom, they, they simply left the kingdom and hid uh, or went to the jungles because they were scared of being chastised by the king. But the king was also very arrogant because he was so much uh, consumed by his own, uh, the sense of his own greatness. So he became so puffed up and so arrogant that uh, he forbade the worship of anybody but him. And he said, I'm the, I'm your all in all. I'm the provider. Everything is meant for me. I'm the enjoyer. So why should you worship any of the demigods or any or even Krishna? Because ultimately I am providing everything for you. So because, because of this, the balance was destroyed. In the Bhagavad Gita, which is, uh, which is quite famous and probably doesn't need an introduction, uh, Krishna talks about the balance between between uh, humans and demigods that uh, uh, we offer them, uh, we offer them oblations and sacrifice, and then they respond by providing rain and uh, 
climates. <clears throat> so the Brahmanas or the intellectual class, they became very concerned and uh, they tried to counsel King Vena. But King Vena was so drunk with his own uh, power that he insulted the Brahmanas and chastised them. So then the Brahmanas did what they very rarely do, but because this was something for the benefit of the public, that they cursed King Vena to die. So because of the curse of the Brahmans, which is infallible, King Vena died. But unfortunately, because there was no suitable successor, there was nobody to ascend on the throne. And uh, the, the robbers and thieves and bandits who had fled the kingdom out of fear of King Vena now returned and began to wreak havoc. And because of the lack of a proper king, the public actually fell into more disarray. So then the Brahmanas, they, they, they did uh, something to rectify the situation. So by chanting special mantras and by following a specialized process, they churned the body of King Vena. So from his thighs, there appeared a, a very dark, short person, uh, which they call Nishad, a very sinful person. And uh, uh, because of his propensity for sins, the Nishad was asked to leave the kingdom and live in the jungle. So the Nishad became the, became from the Nishad descended the forest tribes. They generally live outside the, outside the rules and regulations of the scriptures. By churning the arms of King Vena, uh, an effulgent and a magnificent personality appeared. And he was Maharaj Prithu. So he was actually an expansion of the Lord Sri Krishna himself. And when Maharaj Prithu, being the personification of religion, he quickly re-established order. So he began to rule by the counsel of the Brahmins and according to the prescribed rules and regulations. But then he noticed that there was widespread famines because there were no crops growing on the earth. So when he pursued Mother Earth and asked her what was the reason for this, and then she replied that because of the preponderance of sinful activities and because there was no proper uh, uh, Vedic processes being followed, she was forced to withdraw all the opulences that she had. But now that uh, the kingdom was being ruled by the pious Maharaj Prithu, she happily gave forth all her opulences, not just, the, not just the plants and the vegetables, but many, many other mystic opulences. So this, uh, this past time that appears in the fourth canto of the Bhagavatam, it, uh, it, it is factual and it also gives us many lessons. So Maharaj Vena, he represents the exploitative mentality of people. So if you look at his conduct, what was his, what, what was his uh, approach? It was here and now. That I'm over here and I need to enjoy now. There was no consideration to what the brahmanas, the intellectuals were telling him. There was no consideration to what the prescribed uh, responsibilities from the scriptures were given. His only consideration was to exploit 
things around him to 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 please him please his own senses to the maximum maharaj prithu on the other hand represents represents the the uh, the propensity to follow the instructions of the intellectuals the learned class and to live a religious life according to the scriptures under the rule of uh, maharaj vena there was widespread suffering there were natural disturbances there was lack of there was lack of food and for me and for means uh, as a subsequent uh, result of his of his actions people were not happy but everything was everything was 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 restored when maharaj prithu came <coughs> so when we look around ourselves we see we see that there is a preponderance of the mentality of maharaj vena the people individually and collectively have this notion of enjoying to their to their maximum so there is a little consideration of uh, what the intellectuals what the learned are telling and there is little consideration to what uh, what is prescribed what should be done and what should not be done and this is resulting in so many disturbances in our environment there are some that we can see empirically and some that we are being told by those who have the knowledge and the equipment to 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 measure it <clears throat> so i was doing a little bit of research on this and some of the things that are actually manifesting even as we speak is the is the uh, is the the melting of the glaciers so they say that just in the in the region of alaska every year uh, 53 million tons of ice is lost since they have started measuring over the seven years 370 million tons of ice has disappeared and the world temperature has gone up by 2 degrees since the turn of the of the 20th century since 1900 the sea levels have increased by about 10 to 20 cm in the last 100 years and the protective layer of the ozone which protects us from harmful radiation has shrunk by 5% in the last 50 years now there is debate that's going on what is the cause of it what is the effect uh, of it but uh, we can look at it from a perspective of what we are seeing and what we are being told is is uh, is happening and that is from the more empirical perspective also then there is a the philosophical perspective which is what this pastime illustrated to us that as long as we live in harmony with nature then we are living in the mode of goodness and we will experience happiness all around when there is excessive exploitation of mother nature then this cycle of karma begins because it's because uh, as per karmic uh, uh, law it's a sinful activity and when somebody is taking what is not supposed to take and is taking uh, uh, without returning it's sinful activity and what's the cycle of karma what does it state uh, anything you do bad there will be 
there will be repercussions uh, um, to that. This is a universally accepted uh, accepted principle there. So in the Bhagavad Gita, Krishna, he openly declares that uh, this world is his own energy. So in chapter 4, verse 7, he says that earth, water, fire, air, ether, mind, intelligence and false ego, all together, these eight constitute my separated material energy. So all that we see around us, earth, water, fire, the, the, the oceans, the rivers, the trees, the forests, they're all a manifestation of the energy of Krishna. And Krishna goes along to say that in the very next verse, that besides these almighty armed Arjun, there is another superior energy of mind, which comprises of the living entities, that is us, who are exploiting the resources of this material, inferior nature. So these two set of verses give us two important instructions. One, that everything that is around us does not belong to us. It is, it belongs to Krishna. But it has been given there for our use. Krishna also accepts that. Now the point is that if you are living in somebody's house, if you are living as a guest in somebody's house, how do we live there? We live according to his rules and regulations. So if we go to somebody's house and we say that uh, uh, the person may give us a room to live in, so we live in that room. We don't move into the person's bedroom and say that I'd like to live over there. He might give us, he might give us a place to take a bath. We take a bath over there, right? We won't knock into his bath and say, okay, this is mine or this is this is now my car or this is my my table we live according to what the person has established for us to live so we are living in krishna's house right now and krishna has also has also told us that what is the what is the best way for us to live which is in harmony of with nature to take only as much as is needed and not more um, so one of the one of the great leaders in India, Mahatma Gandhi, he famously said that there is enough for everyone's need, but there is not enough for everyone's greed. And actually speaking, there is not enough for even one person's greed. So they say that the whole universe comes short to satisfy the greed of even one person, let alone let alone everyone. And that is why there is so much of strife because people are not satisfied with what they get, but what they don't have. They're, they're aspiring for, they're aspiring for that. <clears throat> and the result of greed is fear. So the example that is given is that uh, if I were to steal from somebody else, maybe I couldn't steal successfully. Maybe the person is not able to catch me or does not have the strength to catch me. But still, the fact that I have a guilty conscience will weigh on me. And there will always be this fear that I may get caught. That what I have stolen, somebody else may steal from me. So that is why this is not just a, it's not just a material problem. It's not just the fact that people are competing for a, for a shrinking pool of resources, it is also vitiating 
one's consciousness because we may recognize it ex explicitly or not but implicitly we know that we are stealing from krishna and for those of us who can we are stealing from others and <clears throat> just in terms of how much are we stealing uh, uh, again i did a little bit of uh, study on that and and it, it's a little alarming so they say that uh, the deposits of oil and gas in the world will run out in 53 years india was at one point called the golden bird because it had unlimited amount of gold how much gold does india produce now zero all the gold mines in india have run dry as of today china produces 90% of the of the rare metals in the world and they have indicated that they have only supplies lasting for another 15 to 20 years so uh, we live in a we live in an environment with finite resources and as we consume them and consume them then the stockpile is not getting rejuvenated so this is the legacy that we are giving to our future generations a world that is depleted of its resources and <clears throat> exploiting the resources is just one part of it the other part is what is the effect of it so we already saw that it affects one's consciousness but it also affects one health so according to research that over the next 20 years the number of people affected with cancer will increase from 19 million to 30 million in the past we have cured so many diseases like smallpox influenza measles but people are still dying there are just new diseases or like new pandemics like we are seeing now that are coming up the the top causes of diseases now is of death now is cancer heart disease and autoimmune disorders and you, the one thing that you'll notice common amongst the three is that these causes of death are the body attacking itself these are not coming from outside the cancer is similarly your body cells they start dividing and they don't know when to stop and uh, heart attack is again your 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 heart gets gets weakened and stops working so as opposed to people dying from from uh, uh, old age or or people dying from physical exertion or people dying from infections the the focus now is now the body itself is intrinsically getting getting weaker what can we do about it so bhakti vinod thakur was a famous uh, vaishnav uh, uh, leader in our lineage he makes this point that the first step in solving a problem is recognizing that there is a problem so that's the first step that uh, we should recognize individually and collectively that there is a there is a uh, uh, a problem and right now that's where the biggest disagreement is there are people who consider all these changes to be part of a natural cycle and there are of course people who are seeing things in a more uh, in a more holistic way and they are raising various various uh, uh red flags so as practicing devotees or aspiring devotees it is uh, good for us to have a spiritual perspective 
also. So in this context, Krishna gives us some advice in, uh, uh, in a scripture called uh, Ishupanishad, which appears in one of the Vedas. So this is the very first verse in, in Ishupanishad, where Krishna says, everything animate or inanimate that is within the universe is controlled and owned by the Lord. One should therefore accept only those things necessary for himself, which are set aside as his quota. And one should not accept other things, knowing well to whom they belong. So the, the, the mood of this verse is, it, it's, not, it's, not living, it's not living in, uh, in, a, in, a, in an ascetic mode where one minimizes one's uh, uh, existence. The mood is, of, is living in a happy balance. So first is understanding well to whom everything belongs. So understanding that everything is given by Krishna, by God, by Mother Nature, that takes away our exploitive mentality. And understanding that all that we need is that which is, which is sufficient for us to live comfortably. This is the golden rule of environmentalism. That one takes as much as needed and also one replenishes what one takes. So, uh, <clears throat> so I had a few specific suggestions and this uh, uh, which may be open for discussion but it's my take. So one, the first thing that we can do is become vegetarian uh, because the meat industry is actually one of the biggest contaminant in the, in the environment. So they say that one pound of meat requires 2,400 gallons of water. One pound of wheat requires only 25 gallons of water. 95% of the world's soya beans crops are meant not for humans, but for animals. So according to the EPA, animal agriculture is the number one cause of water pollution. Every day, 14,400 acres of rainforest is being destroyed to make space for animal farming. And these livestock that are being, that are being uh, farmed, um, uh, they produce 16% of the, of the world's toxic gases. So they produce more toxic gases than all the cars and all the transportation system in the world combined. And the list goes on. So this is just looking at it from a, from not even looking at it from a mercy perspective, which is also important but just looking at it from a material perspective of how toxic it is. And since 2001, uh, World Bank has stopped supporting uh, projects that fund livestock farming. So the point here is that even, even mainstream institutions are now recognizing that. So best for us is to become a vegetarian and encourage others to become vegetarian. We are kind to Mother Nature. Mother Nature is kind to us and we are kind to our own health. Second point is that we become a conscious consumer. 
So uh, one of the aspects of consumerism is plastics. So every year, half a billion ton of plastics are produced. And uh, uh, this is expected to double in the next 30 years. Now of this half a billion ton that is produced, 40% of it is what is called as, as a limited lifespan, which means that 40% of this plastic is used for maybe a few minutes to at the most a few hours. So these are people getting wrappers for food and they eat the food and in five minutes they throw the wrappers away or people getting bags of plastic and by the time they reach the home, they throw it, they throw it away. All this plastic is, bi is not biodegradable and it ultimately ends up in what are called the, are the sinks of the, of, the, of the globe, which are the oceans. So they have spotted uh, uh, plastic islands the size of Belgium which is uh, uh, which is uh, uh, affecting uh, the the sea life and they leach into the water they're ex they're, they're affecting the 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 alkaline, alk alkaline ph balance they're affecting the way that uh, these larger animals get caught in this plastic they're they're coming up to the seashore and uh, and um, uh, contaminating it so this is one of the more glaring examples and something we can easily do, which is say no to plastic. Get our own bags, reusable bags, use it. Um, in India, I know plastics have been banned, but you go to the shopkeeper and then uh, he'll do a wink, wink, nudge, nudge and say, I'll give you plastic. And we say, okay, fine, let's take the plastic. But actually we are, at the end of the day, we are impacting ourselves. <clears throat> And third thing that we can do is to look at our energy consumption. So um, uh, talking about resources that are depleting, so we already mentioned that gas is going away. And the same is the story with, with coal. It has a slightly longer uh, exhaustion life, but it is also rapidly declining. And uh, most, of the, most of the electricity that is produced right now is out of this so-called dirty energy. About 80% of it is, is from oil and coal. So the EPA uh, reports that two-thirds of the global greenhouses are linked to burning uh, fusil, fossil fuels for heating, electricity, transportation, and, and industry. So about 18,000 people die every day because of this air pollution and uh, lung diseases uh, are uh, uh, at least like in hot spots like Beijing and New Delhi, Bombay, uh, lung diseases are growing exponentially there, especially they're affecting those whose lungs are weakened either because of age or because of other diseases. So uh, it is estimated that then six and a half million deaths each year will be linked to the pollution in the air. And this is more than the deaths that are caused by HIV, tuberculosis, and road accidents combined. So it is said that after high blood pressure, dietary risks, and smoking, air pollution is the fourth largest killer. So 
best for us to use energy from renewable sources like either solar or wind or water and ourselves become conscious about how we consume our energy. Um, the last uh, aspect that I had was, it's, it's a catch-all, it's, it's, it's this notion of consumerism that, uh, you know, we live again in an environment and especially in the U.S., which is a opulent country, where uh, 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 we consume a lot more than what we than what we need. And uh, the National Geographic actually had a had a study done saying that is this over consumerism making us happy? And the answer was no. So they surveyed sixty five countries, and they determined that people who had uh, high incomes and high material opulence did not necessarily consider themselves to be happier. In fact, they, they consider the, the trade-off point to be an annual income of $13,000. This is, in, this is in, the, in the time of the study, $1995. And after that, the additional income was just manifesting as over-consumerism. It did not really change the quality of life or quality of one's well-being. And increased consumerism comes at a, at a, at a steep price. So one of it is, is obesity. As of now, 65% of the adults in the U.S. are overweight or obese, which has its own medical challenges. So not only are we stressing the environment, but we are also not getting any, any uh, um, significant happiness benefit out of it. And we are impacting our, our, our health. In addition to that, we are also depriving others of what they could use. So there's an agency called World Watch. And they report that uh, the annual expenditure for cosmetics in the U.S. is $18 billion. The estimate for the annual expenditure required to eliminate hunger and malnutrition in the entire world is $19 billion. The expenditure on pet food in the United States and Europe is $17 billion. The estimated cost of immunizing every child and providing clean drinking water for all is $16.3 billion. So, so, so this is money that uh, could be used to save lives and to shape the future of, of children. So the World Bank reported in 2015 that 1 billion people in this world live on less than $2 a day. So this is classified as extreme poverty. Over a quarter of the world's population lives at $3.20 a day, which is, which is below the poverty line. And half of the world makes less, lives on less than $5.50 a day. So this gives us a sense of the sharp divide between the haves and the haves not. So when we are thinking of what we can do, one of the things that stops us is saying that what will, what will I do? That what will one plastic bag make a difference in the half a billion pound of plastics that are being produced annually. But 
it's it's the it's the little people that make the big difference um in um, in india back in the in the 20th century in a small house in a small room there were four people who would meet fairly insignificant people and who would who would discuss about how to free india from the clutches of the british two of these people were mahatma gandhi and lala lajpat rai and in a matter of 20 25 30 years they actually achieved what some said was was impossible to uh, do it and we see even now tales of individual courage and heroism but even if we do not want to be in the limelight or even if we are not destined to be there that does not mean that we don't do what we uh, what we can each one of us is a leader in our own realm we are leaders to ourselves to our family and to the people around us so when we make a change in our life then we inspire others to do and uh, uh, as more and more of us become more and more conscious then the change happens even if it doesn't happen at least our consciousness is clear that we did our we did our part so i'm going to conclude with a verse from isopanishad the the words uh, the second verse where krishna says one may aspire to live for hundreds of years if he continuously goes on working in that way for that sort of work will not bind him to the law of karma so that sort of work was the first verse i said where krishna said that one only takes what is set aside as one's quota so he said when one lives in that way one can aspire to live for hundreds of years and live without any any adverse reaction and then he concludes the verse by saying there is no alternative to this way for man okay. so i'm going to stop over here see if there is any comments or discussion so i see some questions on the chat um given how toxic meat consumption is should we avoid any and all association with meat eaters thank you that's a good question it's from dhyani um so the first part is is uh, um is absolutely correct that yes we should recognize that meat consumption is toxic and we should avoid associating with it in our own lives so we become we fear not we become vegetarian we encourage our immediate and extended family members to become vegetarian then what do we do about those who are still meat eaters so we we can uh, we can do several things we can uh, inspire them by words which means share um, i was once watching um, um this was by by peter and uh, they set up these small booths and this was in london and there's a young young man sitting and he would just engage in debates friendly debates with people and it was interesting that most of the people had no idea of the impact that they that they uh, that they had that uh, he would show them pictures of, of uh, animals in um, 
in um, uh, factory farming and they were horrified. Not sure whether it changed their life, but many of them we could see that they were horrified that by the time they eat meat, it's nicely wrapped and, and all the cruelty behind it has been abstracted away. But uh, once they see that, you know, a lot of them said, yes, yes, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll rethink it. So we can associate with them in that mood. We can associate with them in terms of inspiring them, in terms of teaching them, um, in terms of uh, um, um, enlightening, enlightening them. Um, you know, like, like, like it said that, you know, hate, 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 one should hate the crime, but not the criminal. If you start, you know, if we, if you start becoming virulent and toxic towards the people who are meat eaters, then, you know, we are no better than them. We are, we are also, we are also spreading a different kind of hate. But yes, we should recognize the fact that meat eating is, is bad on many levels. Bad for the environment, bad for the health, bad for the consciousness, bad for your spiritual advancement, and with the advantage of that of that knowledge, it it almost it, it almost behooves us to be to to make others um, aware of it. Um, there's a related question: What about uh, from Eric? What about consuming eggs and dairy? It's a good question. So eggs are are in the same category of of meat because ultimately they are they are factory farm produced you know eggs are basically unfertilized or maybe they're fertilized they're uh, unfertilized uh, 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 fetuses right so before before they become chicken you basically eat them so it's it's another form of meat eating dairy is a dairy is a good question uh, because as Vaishnavs, we do we do take we do consume milk, but uh, the the focus is to take milk that has been produced under uh, uh, under more uh, favorable environment. So the milk that is produced by the industry is produced from cows that will get butchered when they are not able to produce milk. It's produced from uh, uh, milk that uh, the calves are dis deprived of is produced from uh, the milk is produced from cows that have been given all kind of hormonal injections. So not only is that milk bad for your health, but it also has a lot of bad karma. So yes, as far as possible, we should avoid that milk. And there are alternatives like Gita Nagi provides milk. The cows are the cows are. Uh, uh, they graze in the meadows. They're happy cows. You go there, you will see they're happy cows. And uh, they're, of course, not slaughtered when they're not able to give milk. And then they're just, you know, they're just allowed to graze uh, peacefully, not given any chemicals, uh, etc. And may, there, there may be other also farms that, that are producing milk that is uh, more in the mode of goodness. So if possible, we should, uh, we should go for that. Um, okay. Um, so Miriam is saying, Hare Krishna, would, would we be able to chant three times together for those in the community who need uh, prayers? Okay, we'll definitely do that before we end the class. Question. Yes, uh, there is a question from Ranish Prabhu. Is it really possible to put some kind of tangible governance on how much one should consume as self 
community, country. We just seem to be going for more the merrier. It's a good, it, it, it's good in, in theory, but difficult in practice that uh, uh, I think governance, if at all, would come in the terms of guidelines, which is abundantly there. There are so many guidelines in terms of, of, at least in terms of food, right? They say, how much do you need? 1800 calories, 2000 calories at the most. So, you know, almost uh, uh, now I'm, exp now I'm seeing that uh, almost all the doctors, when you go to them, uh, one of the recommendations that they give is try to be a vegetarian. Uh, when you start filling up the medical form, one of the questions that they ask you is your food style, food, food habits uh, there. So there's a lot of, um, there's a lot of what I would call uh, 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 a soft push. The, the general understanding being vegetarian is good. Um, in terms of having specific guidelines, you know, it kind of comes in the big brother mode where everybody has to wear the food and eat it or, uh, you know, Depending on your, depending on so many, if you have a, if you have a job that requires a lot of physical work, you know, you're expected to eat more. And if you're somebody like me who sits on the chair all day, should eat less. Uh, so, so depending on your age and your lifestyle, it's, it's different. But um, even if the people are able to understand this from, from a, from a philosophical perspective, that, uh, you know, we eat enough to stay healthy. And we eat enough to to satisfy the the demands of our of our activity. Uh, we don't waste. Um, it's amazing how much food is food is wasted uh, at the cafeteria where I work because they can't carry food over from one day to another. Uh, one of the staff he uh, she saw that there were literally drums and drums of food that were thrown out at the end of the day, and she was shocked. It was an accidental. She was waiting for a ride and then she saw that going out and she went and asked and she said, what is this? So this is just food that's not been consumed. And then she got really upset about it. So, and, you know, so she did something about it. And now all the food at the end of the day, it goes to the homeless shelter from the, from the cafeterias out there. Sometimes we joke because the food in the cafeteria is expensive. We say we'll wait for it to go to the, to the shelter and we'll eat it over there for free. Uh, but uh, which you know, it's a joke. We don't do it. But yes, so those kind of things where people are just are, are aware of the notion of sharing, not wasting. I think that's where uh, we would get um, uh, the ability to change the most. Uh, yeah. I also have questions that you have to go off of mute to do so. Right. So if you can unmute yourself to ask a question, or you want to put in on a chat. Hi, Krishna. This is Ananda Vrindavan. Thank you for a great class and what a great reminder um, to all of us, just the, the details that you gave of different, you know, the different areas of the world or of our earth that are suffering. Um, so I just, it, it, you know, our, our culture, our spiritual practice is so connected to all of that, how we live and being conscious of the impact of how we live as we try to uncover ourselves spiritually. So I really appreciated uh, that balance that sometimes we can just concentrate on developing our relationship with Krishna and just chanting our mantra and finding peace there 
but then how to, as they say in yoga circles, you know, yoga off the mat, how to actually really walk our talk. And your comment about um, sometimes we think, well, what can one person do? Because I often think like that, you know, I'm saving my scraps and trying to compost them. I'm thinking just this few little scraps compared to all the food waste. But yes, it feels good that I'm personally making my effort. And if enough people personally make the effort, things can actually change eventually. So thank you for, I thought it was a really encouraging class. So thank you so much for that. Thank you, Madhiji. Thank you, Annette. Uh, so um, the inspiration for this topic came from Anand Vindavan, and I thought it was very, very appropriate and, um, and relevant. So I like that phrase, yoga of the mat, that, you know, we're, we tend to we tend to become armchair philosophers, but um, which is needed because I am one. But um, I also feel that uh, uh, the real the real uh, the real reason the philosophy is given to us is when the rubber hits the road that we actually manifest it in our lives and uh, inspire others. Okay, so yeah. if just to add to that, the story of King Prithu and you know, the exchange and relationship that he had with Mother Earth. It's just recommended that we all go back into that, um, that Lila in that canto, that story in the fourth canto and read it. It's very beautiful. And it's also for me, again, hope giving that the Earth is a person, Krishna is a person and does reciprocate with our efforts, um, small as though they may be. Or sometimes eventually, if you are a king in a big position, you can also affect huge change by uh, by becoming more conscious. So I loved the story for for just that the loving exchange that was there. Thank you, Madhuri. Okay, so if there are no more questions and uh, or comments, we'll oh um Dhanimat, uh, you have a chat or something in the chat? Hi. Can you hear me okay? Yes, can hear you okay. I have found through the years of trying to work really closely with the earth that it's really important to keep in mind that this is not about me. It's often about future generations. I've worked with children at an outdoor experience where we'll have the first group that comes for the first two weeks plant the seeds. And then the next week, next session will be reading. And we have to explain to the children, you may not see the benefit of this, but it's coming into the future. And so you get a sense of the um, interconnectedness between yourself and future generations when you take care of the earth because of the, the necessity to be patient and work with the seasons. You can't rush things in nature, so you have to give it time. And like the first thing they say when you move somewhere is to plant fruit and nut trees because they can take over 10 years to produce any fruit. Um, so that's, a beautiful way to connect with the children and the future generations is to remind ourselves that our little bit of effort is bringing us closer to the, to the future. Really. Thank you. That's a beautiful thought. And, uh, um, yeah. And yeah, I think, uh, if that's the kind of legacy that we leave, we can leave the world happy. And right now, not sure what kind of legacy will we leave? You know, think of 50 years down the road when, um, I'm sure they will, their technology is always working. They have some other alternatives, but our experience with technology is that it's, it's a, you trade one thing for another and it basically gives you uh, relief from one part and it aggravates something on the other, but it's, uh, 
it's a declining it's a declining scale i think if we inspire people to think like that that it's not for the here and now but it's a legacy to our future um, generations okay so i'll end here it's very nice to see the few of you of the devotees who were brave enough to turn on the camera and uh, <clears throat> also nice to see the others who are joined over the over the audio bridge so i'll end over here abraj bhai prabhu any concluding thoughts uh, she was asking to chant um yeah we had a request from miriam to to chant three times together um for those in the community who need prayers so we'll chant together the hari krishna mahamantra hari krishna hari krishna 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 hari 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 rama hari rama 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 hari hari Hare Krishna Hare Krishna 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 Hare 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 Rama Hare Rama 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 Hare 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 Krishna Hare Krishna 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 Hare 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 Rama Hare Rama 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 Hare Hare